Hey everybody, welcome back for another episode of a Running Thought Podcast. This is Clint, and today's guest is Billy Barnett. We had a great time talking about a bunch of different stuff, and there's two hours, I think, worth of podcast, maybe more. Uh, my calculations are correct. We talked about six hours outside of the podcast, a really interesting and nice guy and hopefully i'll be having him uh back again but yeah with no further ado a running thought podcast all right thanks for having me over clint thanks for being on the podcast um so we were talking about favorite foods and you had mentioned lamb and i had said that i had too many bones and yep this is really how we're starting off this podcast um you were starting to say something, uh, you were, oh, I, the redeeming was, quality of lamb. Yeah, I think I really, what, what I really got into it was go, traveling to um, Chile and Bulgaria. And lamb is kind of like, you know, prime time in both of those places. So, you know, coming back here, it's like, oh, you know, it's just maybe a nostalgia thing too. Or kind of reminds me of, of the trips. Or I, I like the flavor as well. The more gamey. <laughs> I get it. Yeah, it does. It is pretty gamey um the bones threw me off i don't know maybe i so here goes um my iq kicking in but so lamb is baby sheep right yeah okay so there's really not going to be a big lamb it's (laughs) then it's then going to be a sheep so maybe i would like sheep more than lamb because it just seemed like the bones were too too um what's the word not condensed but like too many in one area yeah so like getting past that, like every bite you take, it's like you're getting jammed in the roof of your mouth with the uh, bone. Well, so. you know, the, I think Foodland sells ground lamb. Hmm. So that's, that's to a try. thought. Yeah. Yeah, that's a thought again. So I'll check that out. But you were talking about uh, food reminding you of a particular place. So I have something similar. It's not quite as elegant as lamb. But we were talking about Okinawa, too. And one of my favorite things to eat in Okinawa um, was uh, there was a particular uh, taco place. And I forgot the name of the shopping center, but it was somewhere, you know, around Naha. Uh, American Village is what the shopping center was called. But in that, there was a taco shop. Who knows if it's still there? This was like in 2001, 2002, something like that. But... The way that they made um, tacos and stuff was was definitely an interpretation. It was like American Chinese food or something like that, you know. But the 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 shell was like a particular way. I don't know how to describe it. It was kind of like halfway between a taco shell and um, like non bread. Hmm. So it had like kind of the texture of non bread, but. Uh, shaped like a taco shell and then like the stuff that they they would put in it like all the seasoning was pretty standard um and then there was another thing taco rice Mm. and so that's basically just what it sounds like rice ground beef i get a lot of inspiration from food and you know like cooking or watching food shows like that's pretty much like you know I, I love it. Like anything that has to do with food and good food and making food and it's kind of the most important thing that you do uh, like as a person you stay is food like eating food 
which foods, uh, making decisions about food. And the whole process of making something, chopping something up, how to chop it. Just, there's a lot of thought that goes into it. And right. I find it relaxing. So do you make a lot of your own stuff? Oh, ev- or? Everything, everything, pretty much. You know, me, me and Alex both like to cook, so... That's awesome. Kinda, it's like whoever starts, whoever initiates it first is the one that's making. <laughs> that's cool. So do you, like, I've seen some stuff, I think, on Strava. Strava's not really, like, a platform to show all of your various and sundry um, vegetables, but did you, do you grow a lot of stuff at your no, place? No, like in or? Volcano, it's hard to grow a lot of things without yeah. a greenhouse up there. So, mm-hmm. But I've had a greenhouse up there before and grew a lot of tomatoes, beets. Um, but right now we're just kind of go- going with, like, simple herbs and we have taro some taro growing Um, the taro that requires like kind of like a kind of like a damp like standing water there's like the wetland and kind of more dryland taro so we have the dryland variety it doesn't need to be in the they call it low e which is like where it grows in like waipio valley and the kind of the wet right yeah you see a lot of it there i think it's like a staple in in polynesian culture well, yeah, definitely there, <laughs> but, but I mean, like in YPO Valley, like no, there's YPO a lot of people Valley, yeah. that have it. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> like, um, what was I going to say? Uh, I forgot. So, oh yeah. For people that might not know what taro is, um, that's, it's, a, is it a tuber? What's yeah, it considered? Like yeah. It's like a root, it's a root crop that, mm. um, it has like big leafy, almost like heart shaped green right, leaves. Right. On, on top. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and it's, you have to. You know, it has kind of like, um, I don't know, like almost fibergra- like fiberglass, like calcium mm. in it. So it has to be cooked really well, like boiled or steamed. Yeah. See, that I did not know about um, taro. I, I knew it was definitely um, popular. And it's just uh, interesting how it grows. You know, once it, when you, when it's ready to be harvested, you can cut off, you can cut it off and then replant it. And so it just keeps kind of like perpetuating yeah. itself, which is really cool. Yeah, there's a lot of plants that are like that. Um, the stuff that you get with fa, like at the at the fa places, like the I don't know what what it is, um, but the leaves, you know, that you break up. Uh, like the green I onion know, or something like. That. Uh, I don't know if it's green onion. It's uh, kind of like a leafy thing. I uh, is it. Not cilantro. Parsley. I, maybe parsley. <laughs> I don't know, but that stuff, like you can. If you choose not to rip it up, you can just put it in water and then it will, it'll grow roots and then you can plant it. And then it just gets crazy. It gets pretty like big and then it starts growing like bark. It, it goes like way beyond the, <laughs> the stuff you get in the bag with your pho. So, but yeah. Do you like pho? I do. Yeah. Especially after when it's, you know, after a big run up on Mauna Kea or something coming down into Hilo and. That's that hits the spot. Do you make your own or do you get no, it from I, somewhere? I've never, I've never made my own. It'd be something to try. I saw some place that was selling the noodles. I can't remember where it was. It's definitely somewhere in Hilo because I haven't been anywhere yeah. in a long time. But yeah, I'm trying to remember where it was. I think it'd be cool to make your own. My favorite place is um, Little Saigon, yeah. like over across from Ice Pond. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because I've been hitting up. Uh, the Bayfront for running, which is not great. <laughs> I think it's easy. It's mentally it's easy. So easy. Yeah, it's, it's so flat. easy. Yeah. So it's so easy. I'll yeah. go there if I'm, you know, after school and I'm not as motivated. Yep. I'm just going to go 
because I yeah. know if I drive all, drive home, I'm not going to be as motivated after work. You know? Even Beach Road is tougher than than Bayfront to me. Uh, at least there's some hills on Beach Road, but still, like I I definitely notice a difference if I go to Volcano after having run nothing but yeah. uh, Beach Road or Bayfront. When I go anywhere in Volcano, even if it's just at two thousand feet, it's like, oh yeah, this is this is way different. So have you been running up in Volcano a bit lately? Not a bit. We we went this morning, and I think that's the first time that I've been in a couple of weeks. I love it. I love the parks. I think it's probably one of my favorite places in it the is. world. It's just just the diversity of it, from the rainforest to the lava fields to the coast. It's just, I think it's just stunning. And talking about feeling like that food gives you, I think, you know, places have that same quality where you go to a place and it just has this kind of feeling that transports you. It's almost like past, present, and future all in one, you know, that's kind of how Volcano was. It the literally time, is you know? the past, present, and future. Because, I mean, if, if you think about it, it's rock. Rock's yeah. been here yeah. forever. Now it's going from old rock to being new rock, like right under your feet, like right there. That's what's so interesting to me is because you can see all this stuff. It's like, holy crap, like that, that huge pile of cinder traveled six miles from the, the crater to get there, like, that's I'm glad I wasn't here when that happened. Yeah. But, you know, oh by the way, you're here right now and it could happen again. So enjoy the fun while it lasts. Uh, you know? and I, I remember the first time I walked through like Volcano Village and it was like misty yeah. and foggy. And it was just like I never, you know, I it was it was my first time on the island, so I didn't know that it could be as diverse. You know, we all think, oh, you know, white beaches and sand and then you're up there. So different. And it's, you know, another world. And it was like, I knew that I needed that it was the place for me from, from that moment. You know? Yeah. So my um, teenage years, um, I grew up in Georgia. So I'm used to, you know, pine trees, m- mountains, nothing crazy, you know, but like two or three thousand foot elevation, something like that. Um, and just running through kind of a forest. And so I never dreamed, you know, like if you told me you're going to run through a jungle, I could believe that, but you know, you're going to run through a fern in Nohia forest. Like, I, I don't even know what that is. Like describe it to me. <laughs> like yeah. that, but that's, it's perfect there because no, it's not like full of, you know, redwoods or, um, pine trees, but it, um, it definitely gives you that same feel. And I don't know. There's something, there's something kind of comforting about it. Like today we were there and I was with my son. So I had like kind of, I had three brains like going at once. Like, so I'm trying to watch him, make sure, you know, he's not going to fall and hurt himself. Make sure that he's still running because he kind of like looks back every now and then just to see if I'm, you know, if he can stop for a minute. So I'm trying to like push him, but not push him, push him, you know. So I'm like 25 yards back and just kind of like, letting him do his thing, you know, and that way if he's, if he's trying to garner sympathy, there's nobody close enough, right? Because that, I think that's important. Like the closer I am, the, the tendency is more to, um, oh, yeah, oh, be a little more reserved, oh, and, you know, <laughs> or have you ever, uh, you probably don't have this problem, first of all, but have you ever, I'll just say it just in case. Have you ever been like in a race or something and somebody's like right behind you 
it's kind of irritating. Yeah. Like when somebody's <laughs> right behind you, <laughs> like whether or not they're trying to pass you, it's just like, I'm trying to do my thing, man. Like figure it out, like go back or go ahead, you know? So there's that aspect too. Um, but anyway, back on, back to my original point. Um, I'm trying to watch him, making sure that he's okay and that he's doing what he needs to do uh, to get stronger, or, you know, push through whatever mentally. But then also, like, I'm looking up at the sun through the ferns, you know, and, and the trees up there. And it's um, it's something so simple, but uh, it's kind of, I don't, I wouldn't say primitive, but it, it kind of, like, harkens back to, I guess, more of, like, an innate um, feeling of, like, oh, you know, the, I'm being protected from the sun by all these ferns. And that, you kind of get that feeling there. Like, exactly. Yeah, and it's, yeah. I, I kind of like experience it at every, like every time of the day. You know, like it's it's interesting because it's, like, it's so completely different. If you run in the morning, you, know, you, yep. get, you get the light coming through the trees in a certain way. Then in the afternoon, the sun is, you know, it's in a, it's a completely different experience. And then at night, under a under the moon, it's another different experience. So totally. It's, it's cool to get to know a place in several, several kind of you know lights. You know, I guess. Yeah, it's always so different. But even you know, just like you were saying before, Big Island itself. It's so different. It's hard to describe. Like, if somebody asks you, what is Big Island like? Well, I can tell you what Hilo is like, and then I'll move on to tell you, you know, what Hamakua is like. And then I'll move on to tell you what Kona is like. And then we can talk about Mauna Kea, and then we can talk about in between Mauna Kea and I love it so much because it's got a, you know, I love taking road trips. And, you know, people people ask, oh, do you get, you know, do you kind of feel like you're stuck and living on the Big Island? I've never felt like that, you know. When we moved here, again, this is my, I I thought I knew so much, but I don't know anything. I had the same kind of mindset. It's like, man, there's not going to be any, like, long trails. No, there's plenty long trails. <laughs> like, even the short ones will make you wish that they were shorter, you know, because, like, running over uh, lava is not... It's yeah, not it's easy. just so diverse. There's a little yeah. bit of everything here. Yeah. yeah, and plus it's a lot of places are so isolated. The stakes are a little bit higher. You don't really realize it too much like while you're out running, but um, if you look around, there's usually not anybody like for miles. Especially out, a, in, you know, out in the coastal Kabu area. Oh, yeah, yeah. You, know, you can go yeah. forever out there. <laughs> yeah, for, <laughs> he's just going to do that. That's my for anybody listening. My dog is old and uh, he is day, making huh? noises. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but um, talking about running, that one he used to love to get out and run away. So we've we've moved around um, a few times with him from Atlanta, Chicago, here, and um, a couple of funny stories. We'll just, now we're going to talk about funny stories about my dog. Sorry. <laughs> but, uh, he, so first of all, when we were moving to Chicago from Atlanta, we were busy with moving. It was kind of like, a, um, a whirlwind thing. We're trying to get everything packed up and then get on the road. Cause we were driving from, I was already working in Chicago, came back, um, to our house in Atlanta. We packed, that, did you grow up in the Atlanta area? No. Um, my my youth was misspent in like a lot of different places. So between Georgia, um, uh, North Chicago, 
which is not the nice part of Chicago. It's actually a town called North Chicago. It's near Waukegan and Zion. It's a, it's a not a nice place to to be, but um, there and um, actually in Virginia, so Portsmouth and uh, wherever the Naval Air Station is, Norfolk, Oceana, Oceana, Virginia yeah, Beach. Yeah, yeah. So around those areas. Uh, and just like back and forth <laughs> all the yeah. time. So, so yeah. Um, I forgot the original point. Oh yeah, yeah. So we are. I got a job. Uh, this was after the recession. I guess it was a full recession in two thousand eight. So I had just graduated from college. So I I went to the Navy first, and then I did college. Yeah. And so I, yeah, I just graduated in two thousand seven. So right around the same time. Yeah, and so the economy was like and you couldn't really find a lot of jobs and so I just took the first one that piqued my interest and um, there was a job with a Japanese airline in Chicago and it, it was um, one that I really really liked and wanted to be a part of but um, I got the opportunity to move up there so I did right away and worked for I think like six months and then we decided well you know let's just we're going to move there. And so point being, flew back. Um, we packed up the truck. We're busy. Like, we're trying to get out of there. We've, we've got to get everything going because I've got to actually be back at work the following Monday or whatever. So we're not paying attention to him or his uh, dog brother um, who has passed away since then. But um, we don't know where they are. We're getting ready to to leave or like winding down, we get a call from, uh, a church like two miles away and it's a, a deacon or somebody from this church. Uh, and he's like, Hey, you know, do you have a, do you have a dog that looks, you know, just like this dog? <laughs> we're like, yeah. He's, he's like, well, you know, your dog's in our pulpit. And um, well, we're trying to have service on a Sunday. Can you please come get him? I'm like, yeah, just, you know, hold him for a minute and we'll be right there. He's like, I'm not going to hold him. Like, you need to come get him right away. So we um, we always joke about, like, he's the one that wants to go to church on Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> um, but there was that. And then plenty of times when we were actually living in Chicago, we lived uh, right off of uh, Tui, which is a busy kind of like, there's not really a main street. Chicago's kind of like a grid. Most streets are busy, but Tui is like kind of um, a main thoroughfare, I guess, if you will. And so constant traffic. You can kind of see where I'm going with this. He <laughs> he got out and was like running across the street and there's like cars coming. And we're, you know, you couldn't catch him when he was younger. Um, we're trying to like grab him and just wasn't happening. Yeah. He just, he would just have to come home when he was ready. But, you know, this is his, this is his life now. Just lounging around. Just lounging so. around, yeah. He's, um, he has spurts of, uh, you know, livelihood, but for the most part, he's, he's kind of like a shadow of his former self. He just, uh, he's a sweet guy, but he just sleeps a lot. Yeah. So, how much time did you spend in Virginia? Um, so Virginia was like a horrible time in my life, but um, I, I won't get into that. But probably 
I'm trying to think, like maybe like five years. Oh, so a good amount of time. Yeah, yeah. I grew up in Virginia Beach, so. Yeah. Okay. I, um, I went back when I was in the Navy, actually. My um, pharmacy C school was in Portsmouth, and I liked it. I mean, it was all right. Yeah, it's interesting, you know, like growing up there, it's like as soon as I graduated from college, I'm like, I'm getting the hell out of, you know, getting the heck out of the East Coast. Yeah. Just, you know, drove to Oregon, but, um, you know, kind of going back, like this summer we drove across the country in Virginia. I was looking to that, forward to that the most, just the kind of the Blue Ridge Mountains and oh, for sure. Southwest Virginia is such a beautiful, beautiful area to explore. So many trails yeah. and, you know, so much, you know, there's a drive called, uh, it's like a route, I guess, called the Crooked Road. And it's like um, like a kind of a historic scenic byway that they created about all having to do with um, like the old time banjo and fiddle music of that of that area, and it's you know pretty cool. There's like signs, the Crooked Road, and every so often there'd be a place to pull over, and it would you know explain something about you know why this that particular town was important. That's in, cool in folk music. So it was pretty cool to so so much of uh, so much of that's gone by the the wayside. Just like the the history, you know, it it's weird because we can we can look at that and um, we can kind of see like where we're headed. Like everything seems so important, like in the now. But yeah, yeah. yeah and I'm looking it, at history, you can see the path where the where the future's going almost. Yeah, you know? true. Yeah, for sure. You can see where yours is going. Um, it's going the same place everybody else's did. So like, it it's um, it's cool to see to see that. Um, history but then also it's cool to like take it in like realize you know like how finite everything is like don't take things so seriously like it's not it's not that important like you've got 30 30 years probably after you're you're dead and gone people will be interested in you but but then yeah i don't know why i took it there back to your awesome story about the crooked road (laughs) but yeah i get what you mean there's a lot of cool places there you hear people talk about like um, kind of generalize West Virginia or uh, Georgia or Mississippi or whatever. There's things that I like and dislike about about and all. There's, and there's yeah. a lot that's you know, rich, culturally rich. That's not you know. Yep. It doesn't have racist undercurrents or anything like that. You know? West Virginia. We I went um, I went out to a hunting uh, cabin with a family friend. Um, their father. Like, took us out to his hunting cabin because he was just he needed to like I guess get things ready for hunting season or whatever. But this was somewhere in uh, West Virginia. But I remember like the I was young. I was probably maybe like ten, nine or ten, I guess. But I remember like being in the forest there and like how beautiful it was. And um, you hear people talk about West oh West Virginia. <laughs> You know, deliverance or something. You need to go there. Like yeah. you need to actually go there because yeah, by the New the, River Gorge is. By the way, it's real. beautiful. Yeah. Uh, just. I mean, everywhere has its, might like has to know. its gems. You know? <laughs> yep. And this summer, I wanted to draw, I wanted to run this particular trail in uh, Grayson Highland State Park, where it's like you know this open kind of bald mountaintops and they have wild um, wild ponies running around, and it worked. We were driving past, and it worked out. We had to meet Alex's parents you know, the next day, so we couldn't stop, and um, I was kind of bummed out, and I was like, no, I, you know, we're going to go back, so, like, we ended up driving eight hours back, like, it was, like, four hours each way, mm-hmm. just so, just because I, because I really wanted to run in this one trail, and, you know, But so you got to do it, funny. right? <laughs> yeah, so, talking about your summer, you kind of had, like, the endless summer, like, the, the best possible scenario for, especially now, 
Like, yeah, it was. Um, what so up with got, that? Yeah, so we got married <laughs> in June, uh, yeah. Virginia, and then my dad. Um, I feel so spoiled, but he gave he gave us his old truck. It's a 2010 Tacoma, and we has a, it has a camper shell, and it's like it's really set up for camping. And so we kind of planned out this road trip to drive across the country, and then ship the truck back out to here. So we had five weeks to drive across, like to spend time with with our family, and then. Um, take a trip going to everywhere we wanted to go across the country so it was pretty spectacular you guys went literally everywhere <laughs> yeah like what? but there's still like everywhere and yet you know not even a blip of you know what what, what you could have. sure yeah there's not five weeks seems like such a long time but then when you're actually in it, it's like oh damn and then, like i love that like just fast. that mindset like it's kind of like in road set and like um, road trip mode where it's like my mind yep. like all right here we go and it's like Drive 17 so hours, clear, get so out, focused, for a yeah. long run, you know, get up and do the same thing every day. You know, like, yeah, that's beautiful. I love that kind of min- like that mode of just go, 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 go. But um, by the end, it definitely caught up. And we were both kind of just like yeah. wiped out. <laughs> in the re- you know, we got to the Redwoods and, you know, we had this huge run we wanted to go on. It's like, you know. uh, it's kind of comparable to like eating a bunch of pizza. Yeah. Like pizza is so awesome. Right. But then like you get to that point where you're like, I don't know. Like I like pizza, but I'm forcing <laughs> I'm forcing this one in. It's kind of like the same thing. Like it's enjoyable, but you're trying to like squeeze in like so much. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, five weeks of sleeping in the back of the truck. Yeah, going around like all right, ready to ready to get back and yeah, and work in the yard a little bit. Yeah, you know? sure. Yeah, <laughs> some downtime. That's cool. Um, I thought of something, but then I I quickly forgot. Oh yeah yeah yeah. Mammoth Cave. Oh, Mammoth, yeah. That, How was it? So I never spent, <laughs> I never really spent much time in Kentucky. Me neither. One of those places when, so I've driven across the country two other times, and it was just like, I, you know, like hightailed it out of the east, you know, I'm like, you know, 19 hours straight just to get out of yep. the east. But this time I kind of really appreciated, you know, you know, I appreciated every state we went through. So Kentucky going through Mammoth Caves, that place blew my mind. You know, just the, you know, just, you know, not the cave itself, um, like that, that's spectacular, but just around it, there's all these like yep. crystal clear springs and the like fern, fern laden trails everywhere. So it was just, it was spectacular. You know, that's another, I never, yeah. never would have thought it. You know? It's another one of those States where like I had driven through it, like off the interstate, all there is is like, you know, I, from what I remember it was like fields yeah. and that's about it. I remember it snowed a couple of times, but, uh, that version of Kentucky versus, you know, Mammoth Cave version yeah. is still way different. Yeah, it's different. like the first town we drove in through Kentucky coming across the border was some town, and there was, like, a dead dog on the side of the road and just kind of, like, crazy people walking around. And we're like, well, it was, like, something, like, post-apocalyptic. And we're like, man, this is, like, that was kind of the stereotype of what I had in my mind of, of what Kentucky was. But then when you get out of there, it's out of that town. It's like, oh, all right, it opens up, and there's it's not all like that. It's yeah. So, um, I was stationed in Mississippi for a while and Mississippi's kind of the same way. Yeah. I, I have a bad, when I hear the word Mississippi, I think of bad, you know, you know, I don't think of good thing, good thoughts. Really. Sure. Yeah. I don't want to push too deep into that wound, but I did want to make the point, cause, you know, uh, I met a lot of, uh, really sweet people there, like a, a lot of good, good people, um, and there were certain aspects of Mississippi that I absolutely love. Like if you have ever been down to um, Biloxi or yeah, I've never, I've never um, been. It's t- it's one of the it's kind of it's not like Hawaii, 
but it is totally different than everywhere else in uh, Mississippi for sure. But there were places in Mississippi that I would travel to when I would, you know, drive back to Georgia or whatever. I wouldn't get out of my car. Wow. Like seriously, like if I was running out of gas, I would just pray that I yeah. could get out of this. <laughs> seriously, yeah. because I wouldn't want to stop. Just forget it. What like, you doing here at bar? Yeah, just <laughs> well, yeah. Who knows? Yeah. And then, you know, in Arkansas was another place that kind of blew my mind too. Um, we went to a town called Eureka Springs, and it was one of the the wackiest, in a good way, places you can imagine. It's kind of this. I don't know. It's, there's a big trail, like mountain biking and trail running culture there, but the town itself is just like funky architecture. It's like a a mini little sliver of like, you know, San Francisco or New Orleans or something. And, and we just the kind of like, you know, we stopped there, we spent a couple nights there just running around. And, and some of the people we met, it's just like every, you know, town crazy came up to us. It was like, Hey, how are you guys? Oh, let me buy you a drink. And we're like, you know, just the stories, you know, I think, and I was just thinking about this today. A guy, a guy came up and he was talking to us and he said he had moved there he was uh he grew up in the French Quarter in New Orleans and he was into like art collecting and he came across a painting that he really liked and he that he got from a pawn shop and the painting turned out to be like from a student of Rembrandt and he you know and he sold it for you know like exponentially more than what he bought it for then bought a bunch of property in Eureka Springs and that's how he ended up there that's cool and it was just all these kind of people telling these little wacky side stories and it was just a it was a cool place. The people in Arkansas were probably the friendliest that of, you know, any anywhere across the country. So, in Arkansas, of all places, I don't think I, I think I've been to Arkansas. Hang on, I'm gonna divert my attention just a minute. I just wanted to make. I had the awfulest fear that somehow that was not still recording, yeah. and that we had just talked all this time. Like, how do you come back from that, like Billy? <laughs> Billy, please say everything you said, just the way you said it. Like, again, no, I'm sorry. Sometimes if you leave the loop on, it'll just record and record over. Yeah, so be careful if you ever do that. But, yeah, I'm sorry. So, yeah, Arkansas. I think, if I'm not totally stupid, if you go from Memphis across the bridge, that takes you into Arkansas, right? Yeah, I believe so. I think I've been in Arkansas long enough to U-turn back across that bridge into Memphis. Yeah. <laughs> so I have no point of reference for Arkansas, but that's cool. And then from Arkansas, we just kind of, we, you know, floored it. It was like another a long driving way, or driving day across Oklahoma, across the top of Texas and into Colorado. Or, New, no, was it New Mexico? Yeah, went into New Mexico. And um, that's kind of another place that I loved is New Mexico. Um just uh it just has a feel to it is it really a dry heat yeah i mean it's a dry heat but it's also you know like it's also 114 degrees yeah well santa fe has um you know it's like an urban area but you know like 20 15 minutes out outside of the outside of the city it's you could get up to eleven thousand feet ten thousand feet and there's Mm -hmm. rivers flowing it's you know this high you know high mountain environment that you wouldn't expect signs of life i think colorado is similar I mean, yeah. ge- it's geographically pretty close, so. Yeah, and the Col- yeah, Colorado was just so overcrowded with, you know, people doing the same thing. You know, like oh, you know, every like every trailhead, every campground was just slammed. So we, and after a couple of days, we had a big um, loop we wanted to do called the Four Pass, which is like um, you know, it's like a big. I guess it's a well-known 
didn't know how like it was that popular, but you know it was so popular we couldn't even do it. I guess you had to we were gonna do it one morning and then found out you had to have a permit. So we tried to get the permit, and the next morning Alex had food poisoning. Oh jeez! So we were like, oh, you know, let's just get How'd out of Colorado. Get, really? Yeah. <laughs> she's vegetarian. Like, how, is she vegan or vegetarian? Oh, she's vegan. I honestly don't even know the difference between the two. I just know they like vegetables. But uh, so, how does one get food poisoning from just bad vegetables? Yeah, I guess, or rice, or bad rice, maybe. Man. Who knows? Yeah, out of all the places, this, you know, it's a like, bummer. we like cooked food mo- like pretty much the whole trip. And then, like, the one, you know, we were in like Aspen, this, you know, I'm not, I don't want to say yuppie, but it kind of is like that. And this fancy, oh, bistro, whatever restaurant. Oh, that's crazy. That's where she gets food poisoning. That's crazy. We were, like, that's where she out, got food poisoning. We were, like cooking out, you know, on the stove every night. And that's where she gets food poisoning. It's like, there's a lesson Gucci to be bill, learned. You know? Yeah, there's a lesson <laughs> to be learned here, children. So that's why, yeah, at, so Colorado just kind of, it was probably my least favorite stop of anywhere we were, we were Interesting. At. Interesting. And we went, yeah, you know, we wanted to get just kind of into the more remote, like the Wind River Range and the Sawtooth Mountains, like that, that's, that's what I love more, you know. Did you, you traveled, I didn't see all of your travels, but did you make it up to like Washington State or Oregon? No, we, no, we, yeah, we went through Oregon. Yeah. Uh, we wanted to go into Washington State, but we had to ship the... Oh, ship the yeah, truck yeah. out of California. Uh, out of California, yep. so we went down into Oregon and then went through the redwoods in Northern California. So you've actually got a, a sweet Tacoma with a camper top oh, here. No, I can't believe it. It's on its way. It's still? here. Yeah. Oh, last last here. weekend was the kind of the maiden voyage here on the island, and that's we, that's why we went up to Mono Road. Man, thank goodness it wasn't in one of those containers that fell oh, off. Fell <laughs> off. Oh, <my> God. <gasps> yeah, don't want to say too much about that. <laughs> So having a four wheel drive is going to be kind of like a game changer. changer Yeah. Yeah. I love, uh, having a four wheel drive for sure. It makes me feel a lot better. I don't know if it's a false sense of security or or not, but yeah, I, I like to have it. Yeah. I feel super lucky and fortunate and thankful for my parents for, as you should, sir, as you should. Um, yeah, that's, that's kind of, um, for people who don't understand too, Tacoma just like may as well be on the Hawaii flag. Like it, it's like <laughs> yeah. the, it's the official state vehicle of Hawaii. It also makes it like the most stolen, which is you know yeah, I sure. Some, like I'm worried about that. Like, Holy yeah, crap, it's like gonna... wildly popular. I'm surprised that you just don't get one just for being here. <laughs> like that's how popular they are. Um, they're easy to work on too. Uh, I did a bunch of um just routine service on mine. Here's the part of the podcast where it gets not so interesting. Um, like just tra- changing the transmission fluid and differential and um, what else did I change? Oh, the, um, what do you call it? Transfer case. Yeah. Not hard. <laughs> They'll charge you a fortune at some, oh, I know. At I, I some places that I won't name because I don't want to be sued. But I know. <laughs> I know, I've definitely been kind of pushing myself to do more like mechanically stuff. Yeah, my mind is like that is not mechanically inclined oh, at really? all. But my my dad is like, you know, like anything mechanical, or he can just figure it out and figure instantaneously. It out. And so I'm kind of the opposite, and it's taken me like years to just like I get it's like the one thing in life that I get frustrated with. Like anything else, it's like. Oh, you it know, can be. Go with the flow, but if it's like, oh, you have to put this together, and I, I like want to just smash it, you know. <laughs> like, yeah. So with, but with like all the YouTube videos, it's like I make myself just calm down, and 
like mm-hmm. watch and rewatch and like I you know, change you know change breaks and getting into more you know YouTube's more a game changer things. for sure. Like I find myself being so much more frustrated with with people sometimes yeah. because <laughs> of like they're like, well, I can't do it. I don't know how to do it. Like, yeah, it's look, self reliance. You got the same YouTube that I got, man. Like, no, get on there. That's a topic that comes up at school a lot. Yeah. Um, is kind of the, the learned helplessness. Right. You know, where, where it's easy just to say, oh, I can't do it. I don't know how. And, peop- yeah, yeah, and people yeah. kind of you know, do things for them. And yeah, they, don't do that. It's kind of a pattern they get to get stuck in. So it's, it's nice to get out of our comfort zones. And, yeah, get out of being. Um, I don't want to like wax political, but don't be like a part of consumer culture. Like actually produce stuff. Like even if it's not that great, just, Mm. you know, try a little, you might actually, it might have crossover into something that you're sort of interesting, interested in. So it's, you know, speaking of consumer culture, that's something that I kind of think about a lot too. And especially with relations to like, like running and, yeah, and here me too. On, it's like where it's like it's a consumer culture, and it's, you know, it's, it's refreshing to when people don't get don't buy into that, you know. Yeah, that's an excellent point. And so, for anybody who is listening, of course, you can't see either one of us right now, but um, Billy Badass over here okay. showed, showed up to my house with no shoes on. He's just <laughs> he's just a part of the earth. He's Half linked. Toenail. He's linked to it. <laughs> Uh, through his feet so this is a man who practices what he preaches but yeah i totally i get what you're saying because um to be when i started back in with um with running and even previously like my concept of you know what it means to be a runner was way less on what it actually means to to do the the physical act of running and way more on Nike shorts, Nike shoes. I need this kind of uh, like you have to eat every bottle. Every I need, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Like, I need, yeah, I need wristbands. Just a free flow. Kind what of kind of headphones? Yeah. Like, <laughs> you know, no headphones, dummy. Because you need to like be aware of what's going on around you. Like, even if, if you're in the city or in on the trail or whatever, like no headphones. Plus, I think too, like headphones is kind of a crutch. You get yeah. used to headphones, and then if you if you plan on getting competitive and you want to do like ultras or even a marathon or whatever, the headphones are gonna break. <laughs> and then there you are, you've never done a run without headphones. Oh my god! Like your world ends at that <laughs> point, you know? Like know, it's like I like maybe like once a month I'll run with you know to like ever. create an experience where like. You know, I'll list, I'll like pick an album I want to listen to, and if I, you know, if run down into Kilauea Iki Crater and it's covered, like fogged sure. in, and listening to like the Sigur Ross album while, while that's going on is kind of like, it's like an experience, you know. <laughs> like, yeah, I so can see that. It's like kind of in that context, I like I'll listen to music a little bit. But I've taken um, a little Bluetooth speaker and like I'll put it in my vest. I don't, I've not been running with the vest so much because I haven't really be, really been running. That, that far distance to really warrant a vest. Um, but when I did, I would throw in the Bluetooth speaker. It would make it easier. Yeah. I would listen to like podcasts or something. Yeah. Or some music like ZZ Top or ACDC. Like that goes a long way. Like when you're trying to do like a 20, 20 mile run, you know, up at the reservoir or something or out in Volcano. 
I think in Volcano 2, it's kind of like a little security blanket. Because if you're out there by yourself, you're like out there by yourself. And so if you break your leg, then have fun, you know, crawling back up to the uh, overlook uh, so you can be rescued, you know. <laughs> uh, but you kind of feel like there's somebody there with you a little bit. Yeah. It's like a, a mind thing, I guess. But yeah. Music. But yeah, consumer culture. So for anybody listening, uh, you don't need all that stuff. Yeah. You actually yeah, don't. Yeah, running is pretty simple. You can just go out and do it anytime. You just need to actually go do it. It's like a lot of things in life. So yeah, I Most things, you know, you don't need. I guess, you know, buying things, it's like a comfort. You know, I, you know everyone, you know, I kind of catch myself too. Like, oh, if I buy this, I'll... Yep. I'll be, I'll feel better or I'll, I'll do better or this or that. Yeah. We're sitting here. So like case in point, we're sitting here right now. Like I'm sitting on my weight bench. I don't have a nice fancy chair, um, but I don't need one. We're doing the podcast. We're fine. We just grabbed what we could in the house and um, we're just going with it. You know, yes, we do need microphones. Yes, I do need a computer to do this, but um I probably didn't have to have the computer microphones that I have. I could have still just done it. Yeah, along yeah. the same lines, I came across um, recently. I don't even know why I came across this, but it was the um, the Unabomber manifesto, mm. and I found myself like, like, like you know, agreeing with a lot of it. And like I said, no, not it was just like, wow, like, this guy was. But he was pretty. He was pretty smart. Yeah, I, he was. I believe Harvard, it. Harvard yeah. professor. And he, I guess, got drug into some LSD studies. So his yeah. mind was kind of tampered with. Yeah. Uh, I I think by the government. I think by the CIA yeah, or something. Early, the yeah, yeah. LSD test. So, yeah. But he was he was a smart guy, and probably a lot of things that fringe, he said were. Yeah, but like but reading that, it may you know it's there's a lot of cool little kind of snippets in there about the you know the kind of industrial revolution and the fall of it and the impact on society and it's just it was just fascinating to you know to there, yeah and so there's a lot of uh things that we choose to ignore you know like the the cost of uh that kind of uh society things come at a cost so even though you don't see them like this uh computer it's nice. It's kind of like a thing. You pull out a Mac versus like a Windows machine and people associate that with like, oh, okay. All right. So you must be, you got a little a nice computer there. But like the flip side of that is these things are probably, they're produced for dirt cheap in China. They, um, apparently the, the building that they produce iPhones and they had to put nets around the top of it to keep people from jumping off and committing suicide oh, like it's apparently that bad there so imagine like all the other crap that we fill our lives with and cheaply mass produced uh, manufactured somewhere across the ocean you know we don't think about it because those kind of jobs left here a long time ago but there's um yeah, there's a cost. And then there's a cost to, I think, people psychologically too, because you do get accustomed to, well, I just, I gotta, I need this particular crutch or I can't do da da da, or I need this to feel good, right? I know, and yeah, you just, I mean, all you really need is just to be alive and I just know. have your health. 
like my first um, couple years teaching, I was at um, Pahoa High School, and I would have to like you know I think the stress like being stressed is kind of like a you know a badge that you're doing your job to like to a lot yeah, of people, no. and so I would like pretend I would have to you know people are like oh I'm so stressed, and I'd be like oh man me too what a <laughs> I was like, and meanwhile, I'm like feeling zero stress. It's all good. Yeah. So it's like, but you know, now it's like, like, how do we change that culture of like, you know, no one should be feeling that much stress. Nobody should know? do. Yeah. Nobody should do that. Seriously, I. So, um, I don't want to say too much about it, but like, I I just recently left a job with the state of Hawaii, um, because of that, oh. because the culture, the prevailing mindset was it must be done the hard way. And my philosophy has always been and always will Keep be. It simple. That's fine. We need to make it simple, not just for me, not just for you, but for everybody. If it's not simple for everybody, then let's not do it that way. Let's find another way. I feel the same, just especially, yeah. as, you know, it seems like the state of Hawaii is a lot of, everything is like a big bureaucratic, you know, top-down kind of thing. Yeah. It's like, it's just yeah. interesting. I feel like I'm just an observer of it all, like, yeah. Looking back at well, it. Well, you like, feel wow, so this helpless. Is so inefficient. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> feel so helpless. It's like from everything from the school systems to how the roads are built. You know, like, oh, yeah. there's no drainage on most of the roads and it rains a lot. Oh. You know, it's right. just interesting how and things then, are. So to take it another level, like there's no people don't even pay attention they don't differentiate between the rain and the sunshine so it's just like people are driving 60 miles an hour on on a 40 <laughs> mile an hour speed limit on the flooded road yeah. and so it's just like all yeah. all the way around stress a mess. and oblivious you know? like yeah just, just go hand in hand that in point like <laughs> stress the 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 need to get somewhere fast i've always that has always perplexed me because i'm like as fast as you want to go, you're still going to be on this island. So where, where are you in such a hurry to get to? Like, calm down. Yeah. You know, like you're not flying across the the ocean to mainland or something. Like, you're on this island. You probably don't have to go that far. Like, slow down and stop being so inconsiderate. Like, there's other people that would like to live to the end of this day too. Like, not get in a wreck with you. Sorry. I know, like I, I grew up listening to um, like like a lot of punk music, and I feel like that's kind of shaped my outlook on life. Just you know, from an early age in middle yeah. school, listening to like social and political social. economic commentary. It's like I thought you were gonna say social D. I was like, oh, yeah, was so, yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, like social sorcery, definitely. <laughs> but it's like you know, a lot of the songs those were like kind of threads, like themes in a lot of punk songs, and it's like you know, thinking about that in middle school, it's like, oh wow. I, you know, so a lot of people probably think he is nuts, but, um, public image, public image limited and, um, the sex pistols, Johnny Rotten. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. John Lydon. I agree with a lot of things that he says. Yeah. I think actually he comes off as a kind of, you know, a confrontational person, but I, I don't know, maybe some of it's warranted because yeah, people are not. Yeah, I think it's the, it just challenges people's comfortable thoughts. You know, I mean, it should be a little more punk rock out of here instead. I <laughs> yeah. yeah, I would love to ha- to have like a local music scene that that had a little. You know, I think the the children they need this outlet. Yeah. They need somewhere to 
to show some angst. Maybe the song title could be Aloha, you effers. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe not. <laughs> maybe that wouldn't go. Well, so to, to expound on that, I, I don't know if punk scene actually fits into the culture because you have, um, so I don't want to sound racist here. I mean, you use the term Asian and Polynesian and Japanese, uh, Korean, uh, what have you. But a lot of times that's more of a reserved culture anyway. It seems like Japan is all, like the punk, there's a lot of punk um, in yeah. Japan. It's like, but I guess maybe that's, that's in like, you know, in, in regards to like oppression, you know, from the society. So there's not really a lot of op- oppression here, it, be, it seems like, you know. Yeah, maybe that's why. But I do notice a lot of, um, a lot more, I guess, like angst and, and anger than I thought that I would. It's passive aggressive, though. Ex- oh, it's yeah, not overt. Yeah. Yeah. It's not overt. Yeah, that, that's like the worst because I feel like I'm pretty sensitive to like to nonverbal, you know, to like picking up on on that. And it kind of like uh, like especially at school, you know, like I, I feel like I pick up on a lot of passive aggressive stuff in it. In a lot of ways, yeah. it makes me kind of shut down, you know, and just be like, oh, all right, screw this, you know, like, but I'm so I'm trying to kind of like, yeah, yeah, you know, like recognize it and just move on from it and not let it get me down but a lot. But. It's tough. It's tough. Like, I, that's, yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's tough. I can't deal with it that, that well. Like, I'm, I'm kind of like, my personality is such kind of like what you were saying. Um, I will try. I'll try so hard for so long, but then after after a certain point, I just I'm like, ah, yeah. Yeah, my approach has been anymore. to kind of make to like make a mockery of of the of the passive aggressiveness. Or if you, know, you walk right. by and someone says, oh, and you, I say, oh, good morning, and they like just keep walking by. I'll like you know the next day I'll like say it even louder and obnoxiously and like sing it. Good morning. Yeah, you know, just, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and like that's the that's my way of coping with it, I guess. You know? It is so <laughs> that that is um, so. A few years ago, I I sound like a broken record saying this because I say it a lot, but a few years ago, like I had a couple a couple of bad years where, like health wise, I just wasn't. There was a big question mark on like what was I okay or was I like near death or what what's wrong with me um i was just having like really high blood pressure spikes and um feeling like i was gonna faint all the time and i don't know if it was something that i was doing wrong as far it probably was as far as like uh not rehydrating and getting enough electrolytes or maybe not eating the right kind of foods or i don't know i had been on like a juice a juice fast for a while so well, i don't know I'll if do that yeah. i don't know if that upset <laughs> things but so i whether or not i was actually in peril i legitimately felt like um i i would lose my life a couple times i was in the emergency room and um that point in time was very lonely but it was very like um eye opening because the doctors were busy the nurses were busy. My family, this was some, some of these times were late at night. So like my, my son was much, much younger. Um, my wife had to take care of him. She had to go to work the next day. Like life goes on. They couldn't be there. So it was just like me in a hospital bed oh, and, man. and in the emergency room and we'll, we'll see what happens. And so, 
you know, I'm not bitter about that. That's just like, that's what life is. You know, it does in fact go on. And so even if you're thinking something's really wrong, even if something is really wrong, like you could literally die today and life would have to progress on. But so there's the, the aspect of like looking within realizing like, Oh yeah, I'm actually not that important. But then there's the other, the other piece of like, if I ever get out of here, like I'm going to have to remember that all of that other crap it doesn't matter. Like I would give anything right now and just have like a little bit more time and then also um, not feel the way that I'm feeling now, you know? Did you ever get to the bottom of what Never was did. Wow. Never did. I had a lot of doctors. I did a lot of um, tests. I spent a lot of money, uh, but we never did. But I started, what did I do? So it's kind of drastic, but it's... <laughs> It's kind of crazy. Uh, instead of drinking water, like I drink electrolyte mix like all the time. Like after I run and stuff, like I wow. just push electrolytes. And then also I don't do the juice fasting anymore. Um, that was a good thing. And I definitely, I definitely think doing it was a good choice because I I got down to a healthier weight and that enabled me to start back uh, running again. And so um, I like that part of it, but I think I took it too far, too far maybe yeah. went on it too long mm-hmm. and maybe messed some stuff up. Yeah. That, so that I just sense. eat a normal diet now, normal-ish. And then, yeah, I, I love you know. experimenting with different things, different foods and different yeah. You know, just experimenting with different things and see that and how it makes me feel. You know, and I pretty much, you know, yeah. it's just fun to try to see what works, what doesn't. And just have that awareness, you know. Yeah, and so a lot of times it's not, it's not that you're eating bad stuff. It's just that you're eating too much of it. So you don't have to eat all vegetables. Like, it's like you, you can do that if that's what you want to do. But that's not, like, the key. Like, if you're eating a lot of of you know a diet that's got a lot of variety but you're you're overweight it may not be that you're eating necessarily the wrong things you may just even be eating too damn much yeah, like maybe yeah. calm down a little bit everyone's different everybody's Don't. body's different and yep. responds differently yep, yep. there's so many kind of you know like almost religious philosophies around diets you know like it's you know it's almost like people are like feverish about it you know like, you have to do this or that yeah i think it's no, confusing i think it definitely people, is you know? um individual yeah, 100%. 100%. especially with the you know now we're kind of in a, a place in the world where there's a lot more diversity like in in genetic makeup so a single person you know even if they're from japan or even if they're from wherever mexico uh, the, the united states is a, probably a bad example but uh, if they're from somewhere that uh, ethnically has been, you know, kind of the same and like within very nationalistic for a long time. So now we're at kind of at a point where that doesn't, it's more and more like people are from two different things yeah, or three or four or five, you know. And so everybody is going to be different. So like if I, Again, this is going to sound so racist. I don't mean it this that way, but like, so my wife is Japanese and she could probably eat rice all day, every day and never have a problem with it. If I did that, I would gain like 50 pounds for sure. 
and like my blood sugar would be through the roof. I'm just not the same. Not set up for it. Just makes me feel sluggish and like eating a lot of like even breads and rice and just a lot of pastas. Like I don't usually eat a lot of that stuff because I I realized over the years that it just it doesn't make me feel good. Yeah, I can't. uh, I I like pasta and stuff, but I I can't eat it a whole lot. I don't think it's good for the old stomach. And it's fun to you know, try out trial and error. It's fun to kind of experiment around with different foods. So, like, getting back to favorite foods. So we talked about lamb. What else? What's, like, your staple? My staple is probably eggs. You know, it's what I eat every, every morning, eggs and, you know, some sort of, like, salad for lunch. And then, like, a curry dinner is pretty much, like, the kind of staple of... Like, what kind of curry, like... Uh, um, I get, like, we'll put, like, the pumpkin squash or sweet potato um, and just a whole assortment of it, whatever veggies we have. Just whatever, yeah. With, like, um, ginger, turmeric, garlic. Pretty much garlic, um, onion, and ginger are, like, the three staples that are in, like, almost every meal, you know? Right. You make your... Do you make your sauce and stuff from scratch, or do no, you buy the milk. cubes? No, or? I just buy um, coconut milk and, cur- like, different spices. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, Japanese curry is uh, is like something that I like. They but they, so I won't say but I still love it. Is it's it like served it's served with a lot of rice though. Like okay. it's a lot of rice and like they'll put the curry on top. And so it's not exactly the same as Indian curry, but similar. It's good. Mm. I like it. And they've been making a lot of uh, corn tortillas. Yeah. Like I kind of got into buying like the bag, like this, like whatever company it was that they have at like every grocery store. And then I was thinking, oh, I wonder what, the, you know, what's this company about? If it's like, you know, $3 for a giant bag. And then like the first thing that comes up is how horrible that company is. And so it's like, yeah. crap, where can I get? So like, like I was saying, yeah. Like where can I get some like, like good, you know, masa flour? And then I found um, this company who kind of, I guess they had the same thought and they, they were like sing they source from farms in Mexico, like these like ancient varieties of, co- of corn that like, that these small farms are growing by it and make a flour. I think it's called like Macienda. And so I ordered a whole bunch of you know, bags of that flour. That's kind of been a staple lately. That's good though. It's just a cool. Does it, know. does the corn, um, you're good with that? Yeah, I'm pretty good with corn. Yeah. I don't know if I, if I do well on that or not. I've, I've seen some stuff about uh, like ancient civilizations that had, that had like a high corn diet. And I guess there were issues like co- cohabitating and and like the, I guess it wasn't good for them long term was like the, well, the bottom did, line yeah. I know, yeah. like overdoing it probably with yeah. anything you know yeah but I think that was primarily like they their staple like that's all they they ate was like corn corn you make an alcohol out corn of it. soup corn yeah. tortillas <laughs> corn everything corn yeah <laughs> yeah did you see any stills when you were in the east during your travels oh no um, let's see probably driving through like tennessee and kentucky yeah but tennessee. with everything you know a lot of that stuff is closed you know so um that was kind of one one thing about the trip it was more just kind of going into you know rugged wild you know kind of places as opposed to like going to museums or stopping at you know stills or something like that you know, was, yeah we um my grandfather um he had a cousin, like a second cousin or third cousin that lived in a place called LJ. Um, and it's up in the mountains. It's in the middle of nowhere, uh, Georgia. And 
we would go to visit his cousin uh, that lived up there. I believe that one's name was Kermit. I think. I think his name was Kermit. Kermit? And, uh, That's a badass he li- name. He lived in a house trailer, like not a big house trailer, like a pull-behind camper kind, oh. kind of thing, in the middle of nowhere uh, on this gravel road. And, like, I, I just remember, like, he had some really sketchy-looking electrical wiring and, like, a washing machine outside. And um, But anyway, point being, like, I remember visiting him one time. My grandpa would, like, kind of goat me. He would come by in the summer, like, hey, you know, we're going to visit uh, my cousin Kermit, <laughs> a.k.a. you're going to drive me to visit <laughs> my cousin Kermit. So, like, we, we went up there one time. I remember um, there was, like, the sweetest smell like so pungent it was like an apple smell lj's lj is uh that's kind of like what they're known for apple orchards but it was like the sweetest apple smell just pungent like just right in your face and uh like my grandpa was like oh yeah somebody's got a still up here somebody's making alcohol or whatever so (laughs) we never like went and searched for it but my understanding is that my grandfather had run into like stills previously. Yeah. Like I, I think he was raised around that area and had had like some confrontations with the still owners. Cause they're, yeah. they're not exactly happy. Like when you, you come up, roll on up the, on yeah. 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 Especially like that was probably big during the prohibition time and that whole kind sure. of region. Yep. Yep. Yeah. What an interesting life. Talk about history. Like, and talk about simple, like, his way of uh, his way of life back then was probably way simpler. But then he kind of he was alive long enough. Um, I, I believe he died in the early two thousands. So like through his career, he was very mechanically minded too. He did. Um, I think he helped fix a lot of carpet machinery, like in the mm-hmm. carpet mills. So like in his house. He had like books and you would open them up and it would be like a blowout diagram of this really intricate like, gear system. Oh, yeah, that that's was how for, my, yeah. my family, my dad's family's like that too. Yeah. And it's just like, oh, yeah, I don't, I don't think on that level. <laughs> like my dad's, one of my dad's uncles got, had a patent for like vulcanizing rubber mm-hmm. and had, like all the diagrams and things like that are around. He has all these old tools that are for specific you know, machinery that, you know, you only That's use this best. tool for this certain machinery. It's like, that I would look at it and like, I don't even know what the heck you would even use that tool for, you know? Old man's tool shop <laughs> is like the, is that's like the best thing you can possibly see. Like as a kid or even as a adult, like an old man's tool shop because they don't, they don't care. It's just whatever tools, it doesn't, it doesn't have to be like the nicest, but they've just got like so much, you know? Um, yeah. My dad inherited like all of it, of his dad's tools the so workshop lot, you know a ton of stuff <laughs> yeah the workshop yeah, as a kid like uh that grandfather had his uh workshop and then also um had a stepdad and his dad had a workshop and he would actually make a lot of stuff all the time and like little toys and stuff out of wood and like give them to me or whoever but um uh, but yeah the old workshop 
Yeah, it was cool. Like, like my dad has like pretty much like any like woodworking tool or any like he has a welding machine and you know like this and that. Yeah. It's like everything you can think of. Like, oh, this this is broke. Oh, I know how to fix it. I'll get my welding machine out and just you know, on a Tuesday evening, just bust out something that you would think would be complicated. Yeah, do some arc welding. <laughs> yeah. I worked. I worked for a guy. Um, he's he's deceased now, but uh, his name was we called him Junior. I own his was his actual name but i worked it was a auto body shop and uh so it had all the trappings of uh auto body shop but it was it was his shop and uh he was a super creative guy but um yeah just watching him work with all the welding and and frame pulling it's a craft yeah it's a skill you know that's they don't even hardly my understanding is that kind of thing they don't really do that much anymore they kind of just like replace vehicles have become so disposable because of like the cr- crush panels and stuff like yeah, that yeah, i and think I, like out here uh, like it, or pretty much anywhere across the country more like vocational high schools would be would be so great for for kids and just for the future of like like more electricians more yeah. plumbing, more welding you know, like we things that we need for sure yeah there there's um there's kind of a there was a push to have like so-called white collar jobs and you know that being there's only so many of those jobs we need you know? the perception being that that was like the the end game that was like the goal um but i think you know what what about everything that we i mean let your toilet not work for like a week that plumber will become very important to you, like all of a sudden, you know? know? It's like, yeah, I'm, I'm proficient with Microsoft Word, but I can't yeah. fix something, you know, I got a car. It's like, man, is that, yeah. you know, is that progress? Or, you know? Yeah, exactly. Like talking about keeping it simple, right? Yeah. So now our, it's kind of bad, kind of good, I guess. It's nice to, to need other people and for, for other people to feel needed and to get, that money to you know for their skills but but like our our existence has kind of exceeded our capacity to to hold it all together because now there's so many things we have to we have to worry about like the the more crap you put in your life the more crap you have to worry about like what if my computer breaks and my microphone breaks and my watch breaks and my truck breaks then i've got like a huge problem that if i just didn't have any of those things i'd what do you be thinking about? You know? I know. Uh, but that conceivably could happen. Like the GPS. Like, I guess I was kind of pretty late to get a, a GPS running watch. But, you know, like, that was, like, pretty much just, like, philosophically against even keeping track of time or anything like that. Yeah. But then, but then you see, like, think I was so far to one extreme. But now it's, like, having a watch for several years. It's like, oh, this is pretty nice to, to kind of know and yeah. you know, have an idea. So I've told this story before. And... I'll just go ahead and tell it again because I've never told it to you. But um, I've actually used, not this one, but I think it was like a 920 or maybe it was even a 910 because I got freaking lost up on uh, Mount Aloha. Like the, you know, the back, I guess I call it the backside. But if you go go up Mount Road, the Mount Aloha Road, and then you park like six miles in and then the, They've got the silver sword area, and then they've got the other way, which yeah, starts. It's hard. To, There's, it's hard to navigate trail. that trail. It's kind of. Yeah. So, a couple of dumb things that I did. Number one, didn't consider the the weather, like you said before, is extremely variable. 
also didn't consider that where I was going was well above the weather. So even though it might be nice there, it probably isn't going to be nice all the way down. Uh, also didn't consider that it's going to get dark really soon. It's going to be even harder. To so, <laughs> so I, uh, I went up not that far, like maybe to the, the 10,000 mark. Yeah. Sure. Not, not That's even. Several hours away from Not me, even. So. This, it was above the, is it 9,300 or 9,800? Whatever, like one of the first signs you see, it was a little bit past that. Yeah. So I wasn't like majorly up there. Uh, That's still up a good amount, a good ways away. But I started coming back down. I'm looking at the clouds. They're coming in pretty fast. And I can't see the, you know, way below the sun is going down like over Kona side and it's of course going to start raining and there's the fog from the clouds I had passed over one uh, livestock fence on the way up but on the way down if I went over one I went over probably five times and so, Jeez. like, if you've ever, because I couldn't find the door. You know how there's a door? There's a gate on the Yeah, road. and you can go, I said door, but yeah, there's there's a gate that on the trail. <laughs> but once it gets dark, because you know how the rain will wash uh, the dirt around, yeah. everything looks like the trail. The trail <laughs> is indiscernible from <laughs> all of the, the water going around. And then the yarn looks like every other rock pile. Yeah. Through a headlamp, you've got like a beam of visibility and then like just darkness setting in. So like I'm climbing over these uh, goat fences or whatever. And that's extremely dangerous because they're high tension. And I'm just like, you know, I'm trying to climb over where there's a post at least, you know, but if, what if that would have snapped? And then it's like right there in your femoral. Like these are the things I think about, but I'll get to the point because this story is getting too long. If I wouldn't have had my watch and been able to do a uh, track back to oh, start, yeah, the track back, yeah. dude, I would have probably slept up there. That's best case. Best case. Yes, that's a good. Yeah. yeah. I didn't even realize that they had the track back until yep. recently. Yeah. It's so that a good, was, it's a good feature to use. That was one time where I was like, thank God, you know, that I, <laughs> that I have this because this would suck. Like by the time I got back to my truck, like I was scrambling. I went through, like I could have went around uh, a bunch of shrubs. I just went through them. Like I was that desperate to get, I was just over it. I was like, I'm, I'm so done. Like it just, if I can just get like six miles back to the main road, I'll, yeah. I'll never, I promise, I promise I'll never <laughs> go over again. I, I, it's like I kind of, in the moment, I, I don't, I hate moments like that, but then afterwards, like, yeah. there's like some sort of fulfillment that comes along with that, you know, like where you're like, it went wrong and you're, cool story. You overcame it. Don't do that and, again. You know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I remember, um, one time I was coming up, um, is it Helena? Helena I'm going to say it, Helena Polly Lookout. And so, you know, that that point is kind of up there with the weather sometimes, just just depending. So I remember one time um, I was coming back because I had gone down and run like out towards the beach. Um, not the one that's super far away, but the one that I think is like a little bit closer where they have the compostable toilet and there's a bunch of palm trees and it's got like a jetty and... Um, it's like a little campsite. I think you yeah, can get Kaha permits. Or yeah, I think you can get permits and camp out there, but 
I had I had gone out there and I was on the way back and it's a pretty substantial climb. But as I was making that climb, like I'm starting to realize like this really bad weather is coming in. Like it looked like thunder clouds. Yeah. Usually thunder is not a thing here. Like every every now and then it'll happen and when it happens, God, like it really happens. Yeah, you but, could flash flood down there too. But usually I don't I don't worry too much about uh, thunder and lightning, but that particular day I was like, oh, th- that looks like it could be a lightning cloud or whatever. But um, it's moving like right up on top of that cliff. So like I'm, I'm looking up and I'm having to go up and my truck's over there. There's no, I mean, unless I'm going to go out towards petroglyphs and then <laughs> like all the way back up, which I'm not going to do. Like I've got no choice but to like keep climbing this big ass hill uh up into these thunder clouds <laughs> so so yeah i loved kind of being in the just the raw like i guess like the mountains and the ocean have that same characteristic where it's like you're just in the raw elements and you're it's not very you know, raw like at, it's you know I, I love the feeling of being out you know in kind of in bad weather good weather you know like <laughs> i can do it like so bad weather i i don't like lightning like well, been, yeah, lightning is because I've been danger, out. I've been know. out in lightning before, and that was not yeah, fun. Like I don't want to repeat that cover. ever. Yeah, yeah. don't want to repeat that ever. Um, but, and when I was a lifeguard um, in Virginia Beach, God would love the days when the beach was closed because it was like you know like like rough you know like strong currents, beach closed. And I would just take fins on and just go get kind of pummeled around and eh. swim around. And there's something relaxing about that. And it's like the same in mountains. You know, if it's pouring rain or, or like one time um me and my friend uh je he lives in washington now and um he's actually just just wrote a book which um will be called return to poe which will be cool to read but um so anyways we were up on mauna kea and it was like uh it was a blizzard and it was an actual like a full-on like snowstorm like you know two feet visibility and it was it was just spectacular to be up you know going to the summit and in a you know, driving winds and sleep. It was just, there's something about it that just, you feel alive, you know. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, it's that kind of primitive thing where, where you kind of, you, you're not distracted by, you're distracted by what's really important, like ever-present yeah, danger, and, and like reality. No, <laughs> and like, you have to, you have to get down. Like, there's no other option. Right, exactly. There's no one that's going to come. And no one's help. coming like, to get you. have you. to get down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's the same with um, paddling. I have, like, a prone paddleboard where you, like, it's like a, a, a really narrow paddleboard. You lay down or get up on your knees and paddle. And, um, and I would take that out a lot outside of Hilo Bay and go out into the ocean, out of Hilo Bay. Oh, wow. And, um, and... And it's just kind of the same thing. Like, well, there's no other option. Like, like you're tired. Exactly. Like, if you stop paddling the current, you're going to be gone. You know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I don't do that as much anymore just because of, you know, it's probably not the safest thing to. Probably not. You go on, you know, I'll go out till I couldn't see the land anymore. I think like uh, South Point. I Super strong current. They used to, the, the early settlers, Hawaiians, they would um, make like ropes in time to the canoes because apparently like down there if you like you're gone yeah <laughs> you, currents, you yeah, like yeah you're gone i don't think there's anything really like between here and uh the south pole yeah next stop really, to Haiti or like, something you have, know? have fun meeting the penguins that i was uh, that i came across where it was like this rock um off like near south point that shaped like a whale's tail 
and uh, the kind of like myth or legend is that the, underneath is a cave that will take you to, to New Zealand. Really? You jump in this cave from you that, try that it. rocket, it'll <laughs> pull, teleport you to New Zealand. Yeah. I wonder what's really down there. I know. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting. I wonder, yeah, I wonder how, like, what the origin of that that is. Yeah. Some dude was just, so, some dude was probably just bored. Yeah. Like, was just, what's a good story about that rock? Or make lot. one up. And there's, um, at the Manalani, there used to, they, I, don't, I don't know if they still do it, but there's like a full moon talk story. There's like this old kind of shack that used to be, I don't know, like maybe like a, you know, from before it was a resort, like an old Parker Ranch shack or something, but they'd have a full moon talk story there. And there was like, um, like there's people come out and play, like That's um, awesome. play music and tell legends and myths. And they were talking about how there used to, there's like a legend that there are lava tubes that go up into like Waimea, up into the mountain. And there's like sharks come up in there. So there's all sorts of cool, cool stories. There's a, I mean, know. there's a lot. Yeah. So we went to um, the mound. It, it will be called the mound by me because I can't remember any names. But the one that's over. Um, uh, where is it near? It's near the, it's kind of near the dock um, where if you're coming out of Waimea and you're going towards uh Waikoloa? Yeah, it's like, is it like Pu'uokohala or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, That one has a legend, too, that, like, the sharks were ancestors, and they they frequent Oh, they frequent that that area, yeah, it's like a shark area. Yeah, and so there's a lot of stuff like that. I, I wish that I had the depth and breadth of all that knowledge, like, all the, all the history and stuff. I think that one was like that hail like Kamehameha had built like had like committed like had it built and they brought like had a lie that like brought rocks from like all the way up near Javi and like yeah, that one was supposed it. to be like one of the more important ones I think there that was like a kind of like a noble set, settlement like they had like a whole village around yeah, there it's so cool yeah. to come across to like just come across these the hails and they're, and they're usually in like a special like the place just feels special and you're like it makes sense that like a hail would be there because it's like a yeah, you know, it just, it just feels like a special place. There's a special one, place. There's one in Kau up on the upper road. Have you done any running or biking up there? The upper road Ka'u, between um, the only Pahala and only Na'alihu. the coffee the coffee trail run. Oh, but there's an upper road that goes from Pahala to Nalihu. That's it's pretty cool. It's pretty spectacular to run. Uh, what's the? Road. Sorry to interrupt. What's the Kahaku unit? Oh, the yeah, the National I've been Park. up there. Yeah, it's nice. Yeah, but but yeah, other than that, no. So I, I loved exploring off that upper road. There's kind of like, you know, little side roads and trails that kind of go off and like in there, but there's all these like, like giant cinder cones that are, you know, and some of them are shaped like pyramids. So you can see it from like Punalu'u Beach. It's crazy. And so I was up there running around and then I, like, someone started yelling at me like, Hey, what are you doing? doing? And it was like, um, it's, there's a heiau up there and oh. this guy was the caretaker and at first he was like upset and I was like, yeah, oh, man, I'm just running. Like this is, um, you know, a magical place. But he was telling me, started telling me the history of it, how it was kind of overgrown. And he, you know, I guess it was um, like a, like a war chief had, you know, it was originally for a, like a war chief had it built, but now it's like a fertility hail. And it just has like, you know, you feel like you're in like somewhere in Europe or something up there, like in like the Swiss Alps. Like That's it just cool. has like a, a special feel to it up there. One place that looks really interesting to me is um, if you're in 
Waimea, like all those mountains. Oh, those green hills. The, the yeah. backdrop to that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's just where. It's, where else can you see it's that? Real up there, and you can yeah. you can go up there and go run and go explore around up there. It's really can cool. you? Yeah. I mean, they will say like it's like a ranch or something. Yeah, yeah. I've I've got every time I go to Waimea, like that's like a kind of a good sunset spot. Is going up there. And, yeah. Um, and even after it's rained, there's some um, like seasonal streams and rivers that flow, that flow through there. And so it's cool to kind of be in those green hills and have see streams coming down i guess it's mountain road like on the other side towards the hunter check station oh, yeah. mm-hmm. um that's a pretty cool one to to like be coming down because you can look over and see um you can see mauna loa but then you can look over and see maui and oh, uh, yeah. is it haleakula, haleakula yeah, yeah you can see that that one too yep Sorry, I know a lot of these names. It's just whenever I say them, especially like if it's going to be like a bunch of people listening to me say it, I get like really self-conscious. So I'm just like, oh. It's like there's such a like a taboo against mispronouncing like words. Right, it's like, yeah, yeah. You know, we, it's like a whole different dialect, you know. It's like go back to, you know, the East Coast and pronounce some of the people would, people would butcher that if they're not from there, you know. So I um, when... When I was uh, coming back from Okinawa, I got non-securitous orders to um, Oahu. I was just there for a couple of days, and I had a rent-a-car, and I was driving around, and, like, nothing made sense to me because it was, like, all one-way roads, and they were all named, like, King Kamehameha something, 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 and I didn't know what King Kamehameha was and like why it was so important but it was super confusing to me like i i remember circling around for like 30 minutes i was trying i was trying to figure out how to get to my hotel i could see it but i just couldn't find like the roads to get into it so yeah yeah. yeah, it's a whole different like you know the vowels are pronounced like so so drastically different right yeah you kind of think you know a little bit like after you've been there a while, like you think that you've got it down. You're like, oh yeah, I'm comfortable with that. I know what that is. But then like when you really actually go to say it, it's kind of like, oh, <laughs> maybe I don't really know. <laughs> like, <laughs> no, no, yeah. I guess it helps me being in the school system. No, like we're yeah. speaking, hearing, and, hearing the word spoken and a lot. Yeah. And like there's, how it makes. you know, of course, like poo oh Yeah, just yeah. something that simple could be like, at first you're like, what? How? You know, like seeing it written it looks seen it written it's like what what is that (laughs) that's a lot of and oh (laughs) yeah so it's like i guess there's like same the same once you figure out the rules of it you know if like the double you know it creates like the pu you like you know instead of you know so it just it's like anything else just there's rules to the language yep you figure out the meanings of some things uh and then that makes it Makes sense like, a lot wa- more like as it should. Like the, the, the UAI is like water, so it's right. Like a, yep, yep. So certain right. things like that, it's cool to cool to learn. Yep. Yeah. I don't know how long we've been doing this. Like <laughs> at least a couple of hours. Uh, I don't know, man. I think there's more there. You're gonna come back. You're gonna do another one. Yeah, sure. That'd be great. Let's do some more. Bring your banjo oh, next yeah. time. Oh yeah, I've been. Like, that was one good thing about the quarantine is like. I'd kind of been dabbling in it for several years, but just never taken the time to just commit to getting past the basic. And so now with, you know, I was spending, you know, the past six months, I was spending like two plus hours a day, just kind of like 
diving into it and you know, taking the deep dive into it. Yeah, it's awesome to get on your um, an instrument and just like plug away. I like, think I was stuck at a certain stuck at a certain point, sorry. and um, with uh, you with like the advent of like YouTube, like I guess I hadn't really tried to relearn since like there's been all these videos out now. So now mm-hmm. it just makes it so much easier to like. Because people explain like, oh, yeah, know, yeah. They're like, oh, you'll be stuck at this point and this is how you break through. And I'm like, oh, my God, it makes so much sense. Now. Yeah. When I was a kid trying to learn uh, guitar, I, I kind of a lot of people say this, but I taught myself basically because all we really had back then was like guitar magazine or some yeah. tab. And like I could get I could kind of get tab. But as a teenager, like I didn't have time for that. You yeah. know, like I, I'm not learning all that. Um so I learned like a couple of licks off of, uh, you know, some tab in the back of a uh, guitar world magazine, but most of the other stuff, I just like kind of figured out like where to put your fingers and yeah, so it's like rhythm and yeah. scale were kind of what was, cause they're kind of more abstract mm-hmm. kind of concepts. And that's what it where I was like, Oh, what do I do besides the basic bone, jicka bone, jicka bone. Like I was like, what do I even do next? You know, I don't understand. And then, so it's. Yeah. After really kind of you know, having to explain like what rhythm and scale is, it makes so much more sense. What would be great is to have um, a YouTube video where Steve Martin teaches you banjo. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that would be awesome. I've I know seen some videos of him playing. He does a class for like comedy. I forget what the platform was, but he does like an actual like you pay to take a course in comedy, and like he teaches it. And then there's like other famous people that that do similar kind of things. But yeah. All right, man. Let's um let's stop this for now because I don't want to take your whole day up or mine, uh, for for that matter. And I think we've got like food to eat and drinks to drink and um, yeah, we'll save some for next time. I definitely want to hear the story of the knife attack. Oh God! In yeah. uh, YPO. Yeah, that's we can talk to Alex about that. Alex. Yeah. yeah. I want to hear that from her because I feel <laughs> like she will tell it way better. Yeah, I wasn't there. I I'd yeah. already finished running, so. I... Yeah, that's a that's a bummer. Okay, well, let's wrap this up for now. Thanks, Billy. All right, thank you. And then uh, more interesting stories to come later. All right. All right. <laughs> Shut this off. Make sure I'm sure Alex. Oh.